0: Welcome everyone to Dog Backwards Podcast, where we look at life, theology, and culture from a different angle. I am holding in my hand a ticket to the priesthood session at the 186th Annual General Conference, dated April 2nd, 2016. Three years ago, yesterday, me and my Mormon friend Skyler went to a priesthood session. And what that is, is that's when different Mormons, uh, men get together and they hear their prophet and apostle speak and the church leaders and things like that. Well, he was able to get me a ticket. So I went in for quite the ride. The things that I heard were absolutely astonishing. Instead of just telling you, I just want to replay one of the clips that I found really hard. I, I really struggled with what he said. So let me play a little intro music, our typical intro music. Then I'm going to play the clip and then you'll hear Skylar and I discuss it. It's a great discussion. We're very friendly to each other. It's the way we should be having conversations with people that we disagree with. We both express our ideas and then we end by saying, I love you. Right? So that's the way it should be done. So enjoy this and don't forget to like us or subscribe on iTunes or however people do that stuff. So here you go.
1: Congenital heart disease afflicted three children, born to Ruth and Jimmy Hatfield. Their first son, Jimmy Jr., died without a definitive diagnosis. I entered the picture when the parents sought help for their two daughters, Laurel Ann and her younger sister, Gay Lynn. I was heartbroken when both girls died following their operations. Understandably, Ruth and Jimmy were spiritually shattered. Over time, I learned that they harbored lingering resentment toward me and the Church. For almost six decades, I have been haunted by this situation and have grieved for the Hatfields. I tried several times to establish contact with them without success. Then one night last May, I was awakened by those two little girls from the other side of the veil. Though I did not see or hear them with my physical senses, I felt their presence. Spiritually, I heard their pleadings. Their message was brief and clear. Brother Nelson, we are not sealed to anyone. Can you help us? Soon thereafter, I learned that their mother had passed away, but their father and younger brother were still alive. Emboldened by the pleadings of Laurel Ann and Gay Lynn, I tried again to contact their father, who I learned was living with his son, Sean. This time, they were willing to meet with me. In June, I literally knelt in front of Jimmy, now 88 years old, and had a heart-to-heart talk with him. I spoke of his daughter's pleadings and told him I would be honored to perform sealing ordinances for his family. I also explained that it would take time and much effort on his and Sean's part to be ready and worthy to enter the temple, as neither of them had ever been endowed. The Spirit of the Lord was palpable throughout that meeting. And when Jimmy and Sean each accepted my offer, I was overjoyed. They worked diligently with their stake president, bishop, home teachers, and ward mission leader, as well as with young missionaries and a senior missionary couple. And then, not long ago, in the Payson, Utah Temple, I had the profound privilege of sealing Ruth to Jimmy. So today I have with me
0: my good friend Skylar. Skylar has a YouTube channel uh, which is called Mormon Fan, and Skylar and I, we've known each other for a while. We've actually got to meet in person uh, maybe once or twice when I go to Salt Lake City and uh, he is a member of the LDS Church, formerly known as Mormons. Now, I think kind of the general consensus is they prefer to be called Latter-day Saints. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, I, I won't call you a Mormon. I call yeah. you a member of the Latter-day Saint. Is that the appropriate way to address that now?
2: It's um, a good question. I I don't really mind. I don't, it's not like a, a contention, but Technically, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It, it
0: was uh, a fairly recent, uh, I guess you would call it a revelation from your current prophet that um, you should return back to not being addressed as Mormon so much, but should go by the official church title?
2: Yeah, so the initial revelation, I believe it was in like the 1830s, was uh, essentially Joseph Smith was asking God what, we should be called. And the revelation was essentially said the The name which my church will be known is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so uh, at the time, uh, I mean, Mormon was a natural nickname because we have the book of Mormon, but at the time that was considered like derogatory. And over the years, um, rather than fight it, they kind of just embraced it and said, all right, whatever. If we, People are just going to keep calling us Mormons. Well, at least let them know, like, that we are doing good things as Mormons, and not just the negative stuff, and try to recapture that term. But uh, um, yeah, over the years, there's been a couple different pushes. Um, this is obviously the most, the, the latest one, and, and, a, and a big one because it went as far as to change, you know, one of the largest church domain names in the world, which is LBS.org. had a really good SEO, I mean, millions of. Clicks and changing that to the dot org. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it's a pretty big, pretty big thing. He said, "I don't care about the SEO; I care about being called the right name."
0: Right. So. Okay. Um, well, for those who are listening, uh, we I just played a brief snippet of a talk by a guy whose name is Russell Nelson and Russell Nelson at the time was a prophet. Now this was three years ago. You invited me to go to a, this was a priesthood conference. Is that what it was?
2: Yeah. So twice a year we have what's called general conference. And, uh, one of those conferences, like there's basically six different two hour session those weekends. Um, in the, it used to be twice a year that we had priesthood conference on a Saturday evening. Now it's just once a year we have the priesthood conference on Saturday evening. And so that's boys from 12 and up get to go and be instructed by church leaders on, you know, different uh, church topics.
0: Now, this was my first time to go to anything like this. And I was, a, I was super excited and really thankful that you took me. So I really appreciate it. Uh, it was fascinating. I had never been to. Uh, anything like it I, I I felt like the odd man out <laughs> hey, i didn't have a, i didn 't have a white shirt on, and so I had a blue shirt, and almost everybody had a plain white shirt uh, i didn 't have a tie on now there were plenty of people without ties, but that seemed to be kind of the de facto uniform and i ha- am covered in tattoos, so I felt like I got profiled a little bit. I got stopped at a couple of security checkpoints uh, and uh, making sure I was in the right place, but uh, you were able to get these tickets. And I remember very clearly, in fact, I took notes on my phone as Russell Nelson was talking. Now, he is now the current prophet, the head of the LDS Church. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's the right title. And, and mm-hmm. I know you you and your listeners can't see me, but I am smiling through the your your memory of this, and it, it's a fond memory of mine as well. So Right, continue. right, okay, yes.
0: And I, I should note uh, that you are driving, and it's been hard for us to get this time together to talk this way, but I really appreciate that you would take this time while you're driving to have this conversation with me. I'm very grateful for your friendship, and I'm very grateful uh, for the ability to have interfaith dialogue uh, about different religions and how we understand things.
2: Definitely, and I can't think of a better way to spend my time than hands-free talking to you on this drive (laughs) because you're driving hands.
0: You're driving (laughs) 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 hands-free.
2: Well, I'm (laughs) talking to you hands-free.
0: Right, right. Um, So when, when I was there and I heard him talk, he began to tell the story that I just played and my jaw, I felt like hit the floor. And internally I felt I, I was Quite disgusted and shocked because I had never heard it so clearly said, and it was such a strange story, it's not like anything I would ever hear in a regular church service. But these little girls appear to him, and they're essentially pleading to him to go and get their father to be sealed. Explain a little bit about what that ceiling is and why they felt it was so important.
2: Sure. Um, so, a ceiling in the LDS Church. Um, what what we believe is, we believe that it's most most people when they get married, you hear "till death do you part" or something along those lines. In the LDS Church, we believe relationships and even relationships. Relationships within marriage can can be sealed, meaning that they continue after this life, and, and that happens in a, in a special temple ceremony called a sealing. And in order for your familial ties to be, um, you know, to be regarded in that way, then you need to have that, that ordinance of sealing. And there's there's marriage ceilings, but there's also Children's parent ceilings, and um, most most correct if I'm wrong, but most Christian denominations believe that when you die, you're kind of just put together as a big family, and that's um, you know even your wife and your kids they're they're no longer known um, known as that, but they're more of just brothers and sisters in heaven. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, we would say there's no marriage in heaven. That marriage is a foreshadowing of it, even better relationship that's going to come that'll be even deeper and more intimate now we don't know what that necessarily looks like but we'd say it's a foreshadowing um now i i want to maybe clarify a little bit what i understand this and if my understanding is wrong uh, of course correct me but the ceiling is necessary for them to be together in the next life is that correct um
2: y- yes um it's, it's, it's more of trying to, uh, trying to describe it. Like I, I don't think that when, when you're in heaven and if you're not sealed to your spouse, that you're never going to see your spouse, that you're never going to see them again, but it's, it's keeping that relationship intact and that, that might sound foreign or that, that might sound um, different, but that's, it's more about that relationship and that bond and being being together
0: in that way. The, the LDS understanding is that there's three different levels of heaven. And so if, um, say, a husband uh, or wife reach exaltation, which is the highest level, um, but they, their children weren't sealed to them and uh, they might go to a different level, is that, is that a correct assumption?
2: yeah and and I guess to be so there's three different levels there's sea, you, you can remember it like sea turtle, celestial, terrestrial, and telestial. and and the way that it's described in the Bible is that there's there's one glory given to the celestial another to the terrestrial and another the celestial and it describes that the glory of the celestial is is that of the sun, the terrestrial is that of the moon, and the celestial it, it differs, differs between people even as as the stars differ in brightness um, from one another. And so it, it's kind of using this, this imagery of, of brightness and of, of light to, to the degree of, of joy and of happiness that you have in the next life. Um, and the, way that, the way that I interpret it, and this could be different among other Latter-day Saints, um, is, essentially, is essentially how close you want to be to God in this life, is is how close you'll be to him in the next. So people that that really want to be close to God and live a God-like, God-centered life and to worship him, um, they're going to feel that joy and that happiness in this life, but it's also going to transcend into the next. And And those that don't really want to have anything to do with God in this life and they, and they want him to be far away from them, he's going to be far away from them in the next life. And I, and and my, again, my personal view is, is it's the reason for that is, is one of comfort and one of justice. One of comfort, meaning if you, if you lived a a dishonorable life and you never came to Jesus, you never came to God, um, you would feel pretty crummy in the presence of God. You would feel, you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel like you wanted to be there because you would have a perfect remembrance of all the negative things that you've done. And if you hadn't repented, those would be brought to your remembrance. You know, it's, I don't know if you've ever, I don't know, like even even just a discussion, like maybe maybe you're having a discussion with, uh, or uh, you're, you're writing something to a proficient writer, you know, and, and you kind of feel less than because you know how good they are and how smart they are. And you, you feel like, oh, I, I didn't do very good. And so you feel, you feel less than, but obviously when, when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives and, and we repent, we, we can become whole, we can c- become perfect and, and stand in the presence of God. But but yes, to answer your question, um, that sealing power um, helps bridge that gap and, and allows for families to be eternal. Um, it still is an indiv- individual thing in the, in the sense that you need to um, worship God and, and repent on your own accord, but there is a an additional binding effect when you're sealed.
0: Okay, so let me maybe try to simplify that a little bit if I can, because those who are new to this, that's a yeah, that's maybe. A lot. A, it, well, it, it's great and it's thorough and it's good. Uh, there's a couple of things that maybe I would uh, say differently, and you can tell me if they're incorrect. So, um, if the the father of these daughters had not gone and got his temple worthiness and then been sealed to the daughters, they would be in totally... It's possible for the father, he could have gone into the LDS version of hell, outer darkness, and because he knew the truth about the LDS church, but had essentially walked away from it. um, And the daughters would have been someplace, so there would have been no connection in the afterlife. And your faith really stresses a lot of importance on families together forever that it seems that there's this huge stress on one of the main goals of salvation is to be together as a family. And, and I don't say this mockingly, but because the ultimate end goal is to have your spiritual family become like God, um, God-like in the sense that you would govern and do the same things that God has done to this planet. Is that, is that fair enough to say?
2: Yeah, I, I think that's all pretty accurate. Um, the main, the main point that I would clarify is, uh, the LDS hell. I don't, I don't, from my understanding of, of outer darkness, like you basically have to know Jesus like at a personal level and still deny him and, and not repent of that, you know? Um,
0: doesn't I, it say it's, um, don't your scriptures talk about it's reserved for those who fight the church?
2: Yeah. I mean, if, if it's, it's basically, I mean, going back with that.
0: Cause I'm going there. I'm going. I don't, yeah.
2: and I don't think that that's true even like, in my opinion, you're a terrestrial guy, like.
0: Well, I think Joseph I, I Smith a judge, was an evil child molester. So is that? I mean, uh, that's well,
2: and, and that's, and and that's where and that's where that's the reason why you and I are the judges, right? I mean, right, right. Jesus Christ is going to be the judge, but right. Um,
0: so let me let me. Um, but to clarify, but I, I think okay, I think ahead.
2: there's going to be like less than less than a one percent of one percent that actually go to. Eternal so hell. So it's,
0: it's for Hitler and so, Stalin. I think it's. And, it's um, yeah, yeah, I mean I
2: it's, gotcha. it's pretty bad. I mean, it's you got to be a pretty horrible person, and you kind of have to know that you're a horrible person and still be horrible. Okay. So because because part of part, part of judgment is based on what you know and, and how I interpret it. It's you know it's your your judgment is different than than someone brand new to the gospel or brand new to to Christ. You know it's there's 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 a different weight put on you because you have you have stewardship, you have a following, you have people that you're responsible for. And so um, your repentance process will, would be different, in my opinion.
0: So I want to just talk briefly, because I want to get back to the video clip that I just played. But we were talking about the three, deg- three degrees of glory, which is coming from 1 Corinthians, and, and the historical um, Christian understanding, going all the way back to the early disciples' they understood that in a totally different way. They never understood it as a three levels of heaven. In the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he's dealing with people who did not believe in a resurrection at all. And so his argument, people might be familiar that Jesus didn't, wasn't raised from the dead, we should be considered fools among all men. And he's talking about what resurrection looks like. And he's like, look, our body has a certain kind of glory now, He's like, stars differ, you know, the sun is different. He's like, he's just, he's stressing that our body glorified will be different than our body now, but it'll be kind of similar. And so Joseph Smith is actually, as far as I know, the first person ever to take that verse and say, this shows three levels of heaven. In fact, uh, we know what celestial is, we know what terrestrial is, uh, but the telestial is a term that can't be found anywhere in history. It's almost as though, um, from my standpoint, it was an invented term by Joseph Smith. It's not a, I call it a made-up word. But, so we we have a different view on even where you would get this idea of three heavens. But I I understand where that comes from. I would just disagree with it.
2: Yeah, And, and to be, I mean, you have to think. So, assuming that... Coming from my standpoint, coming from Joseph Smith or any Latter-day Saint standpoint, uh, Joseph is looking for the true church. He doesn't know where it is, and so he's kind of starting at ground zero. And he's asking God, and God says, "You know what? There's no true church right now. You need to, you need to bring it back." And so, there's, and it wasn't just like in a one-day event. There was, you know, as he's reading through the scriptures, he feels impressed, or he gets a revelation, and so those revelations were then put into a book called the Doctrine and Covenant. So. Yes, not everything that we believe is going to be found directly in the Bible, but the the things that are in the Bible might have inspired additional revelation on those topics. Um, Yes, of course. We don't believe in a closed canon of Scripture. We believe that the Scripture is still open and that God could still reveal, has revealed and will still reveal many important things. So that's just a a clarifying point that that the canon of Scripture is not closed.
0: So one of the things, um, where would you say these girls were then in the afterlife when they are going and talking to um, Russell Nelson? Where, where were they?
2: Um, well, right now, since presumably they haven't been resurrected, I mean, every, every spirit that has died and is not resurrected right now is in a, is in a waiting period called the spirit world. And so the spirit world is, is basically exactly that. It's just, it's a waiting period of, until the resurrection. Um, they, sometimes in the Bible, I, I think that they're referring to the spirit world because in the spirit world, there's a division. There's a spirit paradise and a spirit prison. And in essentially all the spirits um, that are in paradise and it, I think, in my opinion, it's not necessarily a physically separate space. I think that they're in the same spot. It's just uh, a mental state. Um, Like their spirit is still alive. They're still able to learn and still able to uh, grow and be taught um, that there are actually missionaries. So those, those guys on the bikes with the helmets, they're also in the spirit world, teaching people about Jesus Christ and inviting them to, to come to him. And so um, that could be that the, I mean, I I didn't have this vision, so I can't totally interpret it. But it could be that they are in the spirit world, and that they've they've then learned about uh, the sealing ordinance and and what it means eternally, and um, and they desire that for for their father to be, you know, they visit, they want him to be part of their family, and it's kind of um, it's a little bit of a moot point because we we believe that. Even after this life in the spirit world, you can still be taught the gospel, like I just described, and you can still, if you if you never had the opportunity in this life, you can still be baptized and even sealed. Obviously, maybe that's the that's the, that's the distinction is that this gentleman, this man, did have the opportunity and does have the opportunity, and so he's not necessarily going to get that opportunity again because the spirit. Is the same. Spirit is not going to be a different person when he gets to the other side. It's going to be the same being, the same inclinations. Um, but maybe, maybe they thought that President Nelson could could reach out to him in a special way to help him to help him understand more fully that he needed to, I guess, get his life back in order and, and worship God again
0: okay so they're they 're in the the spiritual realm, and we would say, and this comes from Luke, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and Lazarus is in uh abraham 's bosom, as we would call it, kind of the waiting place, waiting. Our idea of restoration, I think, is totally different because we believe we're going back to the Garden of Eden, which was the original tent for God to be dwelling with his people, and the LDS idea is that the original intent was for us to become gods of our own creations that, I know it gets mocked and made fun of on South Park and things like that, but there is some snippets of truth in that, that the ultimate goal would to be um, that much like God, that we would eventually have um, our own planets that we would rule over with and have spiritual wives and spiritual children and all that stuff. So uh, I, I think we would both agree with kind of the Abraham bosom idea that there is a waiting place for the spirits. Um, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man wants to go and warn his family, and that's not allowed. It says if they didn't listen to the prophets, they won't listen to you. And in this, this story that um, the now prophet was telling, one of the reasons I found it, so hard to deal with was some of the language that was used that that these girls they go to him and they're begging for him to essentially go and talk to the dad to get the dad so their concern was they weren't sealed to anybody they they weren't sealed to their dad so because they weren't sealed isn't sealing required to reach exaltation like you can't reach the highest level of the LDS heaven uh, especially if you're a girl, if you're if you're a girl, you have to be married, isn't that correct?
2: Um, it's a good question. I don't. I can't speak to the definitiveness of that. I can definitely say that. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's right, actually. Um, so there's, there's a couple of different designations there. There's there's a difference. So there's the celestial kingdom, which you do not have to be married to reach the celestial kingdom. But then there's exaltation, which is another designation within the celestial kingdom. So just because you're you're as you know, as close as you can be to God doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be exalted or uh, learn the things that God would have you learn, which is to be like him. So... Um, so, so yes, yeah, to ceiling so, is definitely important, and, and it's part of. of I mean, again, again, it's it's a it's a state you know, of happiness, you know, and so you know, being with your family you know, is part of that happiness, you know, in my you know, opinion. You know, um, I I
0: I'm I'm just looking at uh, you're the the official um, definition Mormon of website, and it, there's a uh, teaching. Dating back to 1979, on the importance of s- celestial marriage, and it says no one who rejects the covenant of celestial marriage can reach exaltation. Right. So, so and if you want, that's to,
2: different right. than the celestial kingdom. So, right.
0: but you would say exaltation is the
2: the, the highest. It's, it's the real aim, right? It's the, the highest degree. It's the highest yeah. degree within the celestial kingdom. But you could still be like, and so I don't know. Even saying like that's the real aim is probably too much because. I I know plenty of people that don't want to be a god. That, you know, they don't want to be like God in that way. They don't want to create their own worlds. So they would rather be an, an angel that worships God, and that's okay. You know, like that's what that's where they're going to be because that's what they want. Um, in my opinion, again, but isn't, isn't I'll, just, I'll just say that last time. That everything I'm saying is my opinion.
0: Of course, but of course. Try and get as like, accurate as. I can. I don't speak on behalf of Baptists, and uh, you're not speaking on <laughs> behalf of all Mormons everywhere. We're all, excuse me, Latter-day, Latter-day Saints. Um, yeah, I, got you. I I feel like it's become, like, that, that slip of the tongue. I, I feel like <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I catch myself. I'm like, oh, no. you're Right? Right? It's its almost oh, like no. if somebody transitions, I, I, and now they want to be called he, and you've been called them she for 20 years. <laughs> uh, you're like, oh, well, I don't want to no. offend you, so I'll do it, but... Um, so he's, but yeah,
2: on, on that, on that, like, folks transitioning thing, like, I think that that's, I think that's like a similar way of looking at it. It's like maybe that's the wrong way of thinking, but it's like there are people. Like, I know that there are people that aren't even like sexually attracted to another sex, right? Like, they just fine being who they are. And from what I understand, like, that's okay. Like, you don't have to. You don't have to desire to be exalted. Like, if you want to be an angel that just worships God, like, that's fine, you know, but but continue.
0: Yeah, so um, he begins to uh, explain how much this father had to do in order to be united with his daughters. And my initial thought was, is this God is kind of a moral monster? And I I believe that is almost the wording I used when we got in the car after leaving this. And you even said, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong. You know, it's been three years. But you weren't crazy about that story, that there were some certain things that bugged you about it. So he says, time and much effort. And they worked diligently. And so all of this sounds like a very work based faith that if you want to be with your family if you want to be with God and the stress was never put on um, if you want to be with Jesus because for Christians the whole idea of heaven is that God will be there now of course we want our families to be there but we we put different emphasis and so our emphasis is always the whole point is our relationship with God and with Jesus Christ and I know you guys would say well that's the whole point for us too but in this talk from someone who is about to become the prophet of the church, the whole emphasis was on family. And he begins to talk about all the time and effort and all the work that went into in order to achieve this. Now that sounds, I know most Mormons would say, hey, we're saved by grace through faith. But that sounds work-based to me.
2: Yeah, and it's, I, uh, I, I hear you. I understand. I understand that point of view, and I understand the tension. I, um, I, I too. I feel part of it. Part of it, I feel, is like a, a difference in culture and a difference in the way we speak about things and the difference in the way we understand things. Um, but then, part of it is just imperfect of people. So I I don't think we talk about Christ enough, and I don't think we could talk about him too much. I think, I think a lot of the a lot of the commandments, a lot of the things that we do, a lot of the things that we live, a lot of the teachings that we hear, their their goal ultimately is to direct us towards Christ. Um, but I definitely understand how if if the spirit isn't there, if someone's not feeling the spirit convey to them, convey to their soul, how they can change their lives to to be directed more towards Christ through that teaching or through what it is, through what's being taught. Um, I understand how how that message can be uh, taken in the wrong way, or 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 even if the message was was given in the wrong way. It, in my opinion, like every commandment that I follow, every commandment that I live. The ultimate goal of that commandment isn't uh, like like a lot of people will, will contend with like Mormons, they they think they're gonna buy their way into heaven because they practice the law of tithing, meaning they, they give ten percent of their increase to the church. I don't see that. Like I I don't say like, oh, I'm gonna pay my tithing so I can go to heaven. Like that's not that's not even close to my rationale. My rationale is God is first, and because God is first. Nothing else matters, you know, and, and that might be like an extreme way of saying it because obviously other things matter and other things uh, will, will creep up and take priority in my life. But but all these different teachings are really just to help us continue to place God first, to place Him above other things, to place Him above money, to place Him above recreational activities on Sunday, to place Him above, uh, you know, just anything really, um, and, and trying to help us to remember that um, addictions, you know, that, that, that I'm not going to be addicted to the substance. I want to be addicted to God, you know, and, in, in a good way and, and place it and first. And even where where we might practice, a, do a thing once a month called fasting, where we skip two meals and then we donate the, the money of those meals to someone else that doesn't have food. Um, even that practice is, is kind of training our bodies to say, you know, like, like God is first. And, and even, even trying to the point of like abstaining from food for a time to help us to, to reconnect and reaffirm that, that God is first. And that might seem extreme, but really that's the goal. And, and I think that people can lose sight of those things. And I think that people do lose sight of those things and of, of that concept and I, and I wish that that was, was more explicitly taught and, you know, brought home even even to Latter-day Saints because, honestly, people such as yourself that are Latter-day Saints, if, if, they, if they hear too much of the, the legalism, they hear too much of the, oh, you have to do this to be a good person or you have to do that, you know, it pushes them away. And rightfully so, it should because that's not the point. The point is to put God first and to and and everything else will will follow, and and you'll just be a good person because God is
0: first. Skylar, if I could say something, you've talked more about Jesus in the twenty minutes we've had this conversation than the apostles and the prophet himself does at a general conference. And
2: I I disagree, but well,
0: from that from that one, um, but I understand what you're saying. You you do wish that maybe in those things that Jesus would be made a little bit more of a focus. And, and I can understand that, and I appreciate that. Of course, my expectations of someone who claims to have apostolic authority, and we did not know at the time, was, was about to become the prophet um, of God, the one man on earth who is a, uh, could receive revelation for the entire universal church that is supposed to guide and direct humankind my expectation of that person when they would talk is different than what I experience. There's some other things that he said. He said they, that they had to do the work that they were willing to submit to their priesthood leaders so that the atonement of Jesus could purify and magnify them. So he's talking about the father and son wanting to be, you know, after he told them, Hey, your daughters are in the spirit place. And if you don't get sealed, you won't be with them would be my summation of kind of that teaching. And, then he's like, they were will- they had to do the work. They were willing to submit, so they have these priesthood leaders that they have to submit to. And then he said, this is his direct quote, so that the atonement of Jesus could purify and magnify them. From just the most obvious understanding of that wordage is the atonement of Jesus is not effective until you get your temple recommend card and... Go through the process of becoming worthy to enter into this temple and then going through the sealing ceremony to your daughters who have passed on. All this must be done before the atonement of Jesus can purify you of your sins.
2: So, say, so I think there's important, important verbiage there that might be... A little bit off, but say the say the exact quote again. Before the, the atonement can be,
0: he said they were willing to submit to their priesthood leaders so that the atonement of Jesus could purify and magnify them.
2: So, purify and magnify, and so I I don't know if your your listeners understand or or know what priesthood leaders are in the LDS Church, but essentially it's a calling. Um, Basically, there's there's a pretty rigid organization structure in the LDS Church, and, and with most with most churches, and and every leader has a stewardship, you know. So there's specific people um, that they essentially have authority to receive revelation for. So if let's compare it to your your ministry. So in, if if you were LDS, and if, and if you had your congregation, essentially what we would say is that you um, at, at, as the pastor of your church would have the authority to receive revelation or guidance from God on what you should be teaching your congregation, and even what advice to give to them because they look to you as a spiritual leader. And so that can be necessary, especially if um, Individuals don't have enough faith to even pray or to to receive answers from God. Um, And that that happens, you know. And so while everyone does have the ability and the obligation to reach out to God and to receive answers, um, some people aren't as educated in the gospel or or don't feel that they can make that connection. And so that's where especially something like a priesthood leader or uh, a pastor, in, in your case, would um, would be helpful in, in, in that process, would be helpful in, in understanding what changes in their life um, are necessary so that they can they can feel more whole and, and come before God. And I don't know the specifics of, of this brother if he had addictions or if he had um things that were specifically, you know
0: kind can, of uh, Can I can I interject a question? Sure, yeah, cause... go ahead. If the brother had addictions, does he have to get rid of those addictions before the grace of God is applied to him?
2: No, not at all. I mean, you can you can you can come to God in any state that you are. Um, but I will say that once you once you know and have identified that something you're doing is wrong, and the Spirit has confirmed it to you, and then you continue in that, that's when. Uh, that's when you are essentially choosing to be away from God. You know, you're you're choosing not to listen to him anymore in that respect. Um, And and that's where the distance comes from. It's not necessarily that God is like like shunning you to hell. It's more that God is trying to teach you stuff. And if you're you're not listening to him, then you're kind of damning yourself from progressing and to learning more.
0: What he said kind of confirmed what... When I had read the Book of Mormon, it was the message that I got. Um, and, And the verse I often quote is Moroni 10, 32. And I don't know if you know this one by heart or not. But it says, Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him and deny yourself of all ungodliness. If ye shall deny yourself of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you. So if I was to say, Skylar, I need you to mow my yard, and after you mow my yard, then I will give you 20 bucks. You don't get the 20 bucks until you mow the yard. And what it seems to me from just a plain reading of Moroni is that first I have to deny myself of all ungodliness. Then I have to love God with all my might, mind, and strength. Then is his grace sufficient for me? So it seems as though there's all this work that has to be done, and it's the same with the the video clip we just listened to, that they had to do all these things so that we can be with God afterwards.
2: Yeah, and I don't interpret it in the same way. So the way that I read that, the way that I interpret that is, is kind of opposite of what you interpret. So, <laughs> so the way so, that I interpret So then it, doesn't
0: mean then. So I so,
2: mean No no no. I understand I understand what you're saying. But I think it's emphasizing a different point. It's emphasizing that Two things. I mean obviously that's an impossible standard that, that no one could achieve. So if, if if your interpretation is correct. Like I'm never that, that going would, to be yes, able to, it is I'm never going to be impossible. able to achieve that. I I, right. I I can't live a perfect life. Like I am not, I am not Jesus Christ. So I'm never going to be able to attain that level of love, and that's an impossible burden. And so anyone that feels that as the as the standard or as the bar, like it's that's going to suck because you're I not getting there. I would say
0: that that is the standard. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect.
2: And, and that's a goal, but I mean, you, it's it's a it's a pretty high bar, right?
0: Well, it's it's required. You have to be perfect. There's there no sin in the presence of God, so you, perfection is required. Well, that, According yeah, to sure. Moroni, you don't get but, the grace but. until you are perfect. According to Scripture, God's perfection is given to me in my failures. That's why on the cross, he took my failures and he exchanged it for his perfection. So perfection is always the goal. It's just how do you get perfection?
2: Sure. No, perfection is the goal, but it's not possible in this life without Jesus Christ. And so one of the things that I think can get lost in the faith alone theology is and I think that you would disagree with this, but on the face value you could say I believe in Christ and I'm saved. And and what that what that says on the face of it is or or the misinterpretation that someone could get from that is they could say, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I'm saved. But tonight, I can beat my wife. I could I could murder my neighbor. I could steal from my grandma, you know. But I said that I believe in Christ, and that's all that the scriptures required of me, is just to say that I believe in Christ, so I'm saved. And that's false. I know that you believe that's false, and, and I believe sometimes, that, that scripture. <laughs> sometimes it's false. I hope it's always false. No, because I, I
0: think it's totally possible for somebody to be a Christian and then they lose their job and they've been sober for 12 years and they go back to drinking and they have a really bad day where all of life bears down on them. And in the heat of passion, they make a terrible mistake and they do something awful. Uh When I mean, yes, Scripture says there's course. no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, I believe that if they're truly in Christ Jesus – Christians are totally capable of being just as immoral as non-Christians.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, and that's and I'm not talking about uh, someone that had a, a crime of passion and then returned to Jesus. Right. I'm talking yeah. about someone that is living a life consistently and knowingly and willfully that is not Christ-like and not uh, worthy of, of being called a Christian because they're deliberately doing things that hurt other people.
0: And, right. So I mean, and, were you just—I was just clarifying because you said it was, yeah. You know, no, it's, it's a you good Never to do, do it.
2: it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just—I—I I was meaning more of a person that, of course, just just in name only says they're a Christian, but no mm-hmm. actions ever support that, and if anything, they do the opposite. And so, in my opinion, that scripture that you read in Moroni and and other scriptures are showing that. No, you, you still need to live a Christ-like life. You still need to do your best to be a good person. And, and those things aren't what saves you. Those things aren't what gets you to heaven. Because even if you were as perfect as possible and, and lived as sinless life as possible and, and you paid all the tithing in the world, you would still not be able to get to heaven. You would still need Jesus Christ's grace in order to get there.
0: I looked up some of the questions that he might be asked as he went through his um, temple recommendation interview because if you want to now what what level of heaven do you need to have your temple temple recommend card you know if you were to go through that whole process that gives you to the uh, telestial?
2: I I don't think that that that. that, that. It's apply a, like you. you well, could I mean, it's to...
0: it's a, it's a part of it, correct? No. If you if you're not temple worthy and you haven't been sealed in the temple, um, then you're not going to reach. You're, you're going to be on the uh, terrestrial or celestial. I don't know. I get that backwards sometimes.
2: Yeah, no. Sea turtle. That's the way I remember so um,
0: it. Celestial is the bottom level.
2: Highest.
0: Uh, celestial is the highest, right?
2: Yeah. Terrestrial is okay. the middle terrestrial and
0: terrestrial is earth is that what you would, is that right
2: yeah I mean essentially it's uh the new earth the, the terrestrial is terrestrial the, the way I think about the terrestrial it's just genuinely good people that didn't accept Christ that's what I view terrestrial it's people that are are, are decent human beings that, that live good lives but they didn't receive that grace that we just talked about because either they didn't accept it for that's really the, the the crux of it is they didn't accept it for one reason or another. So they're saved
0: of, from the judgment of God without ever receiving the grace of Jesus.
2: Um they're saved from the judgment of God. I don't think they're saved from the judgment of God. They they're they were judged, and that's why they received the terrestrial kingdom.
0: Okay. So it, it's a punishment, but not really a punishment, right? Like it's
2: you're you're not living with God, so that's I mean,
0: that would that's hell to us, right?
2: Sure, it, and it's it, I yeah, I mean it's uh,
0: does God visit but, there?
2: But, um, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I don't. I wouldn't yeah. put it past his ability, but I wouldn't think so. I mean, right. I, mean I mean, can God visit Earth now? He can, but usually it's in the form of like a vision or, uh, you know, I I, I, I I, yeah, I mean, if Jesus, I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, again, I, th- I think it's more of like, like where you're going to feel comfortable because if you're not purified, if you're not receiving the entire race of Jesus, then you're not going to be able to stand in the presence of God, you know, you're not going to be able to be there.
0: Let me uh, go through, and I just because I just find this interesting, I find it really fascinating. And again, thanks for your time. I, I uh, you're very patient with um, people asking questions. Some people aren't comfortable with other people asking them lots of questions about their faith, but you're always willing to answer to the best of your ability, and that's all we take it for. This is just you answering to the best of your ability. Um, as I, I went through looking about what questions would be asked, part of the official handbook given to the interviewer was, um, let me see here if I can find it. It says, make it clear that you represent the Lord in determining worthiness to enter his holy house. So no one can enter into God's holy house unless they're a worthy. And there is a person there who represents the Lord and it's their job to determine whether or not another person is holy. And so this man who had just lost his two daughters, was told if he would do these things, God would let them be united in the next life. Here's the things that he had to do or agree to. Some of them I agree to. The first one is, do you have faith in and a testimony of God, the Eternal Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost? We would say this is required for salvation, that you believe in God and how He has revealed Himself. Now, where we would disagree is you would say that God the Father is a separate God from Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost is a separate God or a separate force um, apart from, like, there are three different beings. They're not one being. Is that correct?
2: Yep, that's correct.
0: Okay. Uh, it says, Do you have a testimony of the restoration of the gospel in these latter days? So before you could enter into God's holy temple, you have to accept that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. And it goes on to say, do you sustain the president of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as a prophet, seer, and revelator, and as the only person on the earth who possesses it and authorized to exercise all priesthood keys? And then it says the same thing about the first presidency and the quorum. So basically, like, do you trust and give supreme authority to all the leaders of the church? There's, uh, do you support or affiliate with or agree with any group or individual whose teachings or practices are contrary or oppose those accepted by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? That one troubled me a little bit because do you affiliate with or agree with anything that might disagree with us? It looks like in order to get in, you can't disagree with any of the foundational or doctrinal statements of the church at all, that you have to support um, and agree with all the teachings of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
2: Yeah. And I think it's important. I mean, it's important to realize that these questions, if you answer no, because I affiliate with you and you oppose the church, but I still go to the temple. So it's not, it's not like, it's not like you have to be so insulated that you can't have opinions or that you can't have, thoughts that are going away from the church but if you were to answer if you were to answer no to that question um, then the bishop or whoever is interviewing you might ask you to further clarify and to understand what caused you to answer no and that doesn't mean just because you answered no or just because you were supported or affiliated with whoever it is doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to get a temple recommend but it more or less, it's at the
0: discretion of the person doing the interview, though, isn't it?
2: Yeah, more or less. I mean, they—they that's just as similar as uh, one pastor might be different from another pastor. Um, They—they're able to kind of judge your your character and your response and and your love for God or lack thereof, and, and decide on that. So these these questions are kind of just guides to to get
0: you closer, you know, uh, the 10th one was, and that's, that's a, that's a fair enough answer. Uh, there's a couple of things. Maybe I'll come back to here in a second. Are you a full-time tithe payer? And do you keep the word of wisdom? No hot drinks. Uh, it says little meat, but I know most people don't necessarily per se, go buy that one, no beer, et cetera. So there's some moral lifestyle health codes uh, to go by. Um, Do you wear the garments both day and night? And these are the undergarments worn um, for those who have gone through the temple process. And uh, as instructed in the endowment in accordance with the covenant you made in the temple. So now the endowment and the covenants that make in temple. These aren't things that I will ask you about because I'm going to be respectful of the idea that these are, they're not secret, they're sacred as the kind of typical LDS saying goes. Um, but from my perspective, yeah. as I'm hearing him talk about how hard they have worked in order to do all this stuff and all the effort that was put in so that the grace of Jesus would do this, I start to see this line. And for me as a Bible-believing Christian, that I would say that the only thing that bridges the gap between me and God is Jesus Christ. And from my perspective, where, where I just look At Mormonism, there's a lot more people that stand in that gap. First, he has to recognize that this prophet, Joseph Smith, who has a very troubled history, and there's lots of reasons to doubt certain claims, Uh, the book of Abraham and, and things like this that we can look at, and it goes, man, there's some real questionable things, A, about his character, places where he seems to be extremely disobedient while stating things otherwise. Then there's the current prophet. Then there's the quorum of the twelve. Then there's this person doing the interview. This, there's all these other different, I don't mean this derogatorily, old white men standing in between this father and his relationship with God. That if he doesn't go through the temple endowments and he doesn't make the covenant in the temple, he's not going to reach the highest level of relationship with God. He's going to be cast out somewhere else. And so we as Christians say, if you want to be with God, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ and Lord is you will be saved. We take that directly from Scripture. We're not going to add anything to it. Whenever you add something to Jesus, I think you ruin all of Jesus. And so it's just my understanding of these things as I hear this. If they want to achieve the... the, the, the reason we were made in the first place is to be like God, according to Mormonism. And I would say is the reason we were made is to be with God, not necessarily like him ontologically. But in order to do that, there's a whole bunch of other fallible, imperfect people who, if they're having a bad day and don't like the answer, could deny it. And they're going to have to reapply, hoping he lives long enough because the father was in his 80s when he started this process to begin with.
2: Yeah, so... When, <clears throat> first of all, was there a question in there? Or am I just talking about it?
0: Well, uh, maybe, the, maybe the last question they ask is the question. It says, Do you consider yourself worthy to enter the Lord's house and participate in temple ordinances? Should we ever feel worthy?
2: Yeah, those are all... I mean, they're all interesting... Uh, interesting observations and things to think about. I... When you put it as you do, you know, it sounds like, Oh well, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna get this candy unless you do your chores, you know, that's it's but that's really not the goal. I mean, the goal is to help purify people. I think I think what you said is, is, is great, you know. If you believe in God and confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart, like absolutely, that's a wonderful wonderful view to have and it's a wonderful um Gold. But I don't, I don't think, I don't think that you would have your services every Sunday if that was true. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to be derogatory. I'm just following this to its logical conclusion. And because there's going to be a lot of people in your congregation that have done that, that they've confessed it with their mouth and they believe it in their heart, so. What's the point in in coming to church every Sunday? What's the point in, in learning more? What's the point in, in you know continuing to be a better person or whatever it might be? You know, it's and that's and that's really what I view those questions as doing is trying to eliminate stumbling blocks that are preventing you, preventing yourself from coming to God. And it's it's not that we're placing all these extra steps in between Him and God. It's trying to remove the things that maybe you're lying to yourself about that are between you and God and helping to remove those things. And and that might sound counterintuitive to the way that you do things, but that is sincerely the way that I view it and the way that I understand it. It's not it's not trying to place additional things, it's it's trying to help you recognize the things that are currently
0: Okay, fair enough. And I know the way whoever frames the question, um,
2: worthiness met. I lost you there for just a second.
0: I'm sorry, I lost you there for just a second, but you came right back. What was
2: the the last thing you heard? Uh,
0: I don't know. (laughs) I I thought you. I thought you paused, and so I was starting to talk. Um, But so let me. Jump back in here, and we'll we'll try to wrap this up fairly quickly. Um, I was just
2: gonna I was just gonna comment on the last question. Sure, um, sure. No, you cannot ever feel worthy if worthy meant you were perfect. But the other part of that is if there's something in your life, like let's say you had. I don't know. There's some there's something in your life that you feel is uncomely of you know, something that God doesn't approve of. You know, you are doing something that is cankering your soul. That, that that question kind of encompasses everything else and says, Okay, what can we help what can we help you fix in your life so that you can come closer to God and feel closer to him and, and fully feel his love and repent and and that's really how you feel God's love is, is through repentance and through change of heart and becoming Closer to him.
0: So. How come the apostle, now prophet, didn't just tell the dad what Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and I'll give you rest? The, the, these girls, they didn't seem to have rest in their souls. They're worried about their dad. The dad didn't have rest in his soul. He wasn't a member of God's official church. Why all the talk about temple? You know, in the Old Testament, the temple only had two purposes. It was so God could dwell among the people through sacrifices, and the temple was a reminder that we were separated from God and blood had to be shed. When Jesus dies, Matthew 27 tells us that the veil, the curtain, in the temple was torn, and no temple was ever rebuilt in Israel. Um. It was destroyed in 70 A.D. until Mormonism comes along. And once again, the temple plays a pivotal role. And unlike the Old Testament, where there was only one temple at a time, there's now temples all over the place. So it seems, Hebrews says, in speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. We understand that to say that this old temple sacrificial system is gone. And it seems like Joseph Smith, in some ways, reinstituted something that God had intentionally destroyed because the sacrifice of animals was not enough. Now, you guys don't do animal sacrifices there. Of course, we know that. But um, it, all the talk about the temple and things that need to be done in order for the Father to be connected, it seems like there is this
2: just Harkening huge— Harkening back. Say that again? Harkening back. There's like a— Oh, almost a regression, is that what you're
0: saying? Not even, because if he was to restore the church, I would expect it to look like the ch- church either of Acts or in the Old Testament, and it looks like neither. It, it's, it's kind of, I mean, my personal opinion, it's a mixture of Old Testament in- imagery and Masonic pledges. And I mean that's my understanding of some of the rituals that go on with inside the LDS temple. But um, if, yeah, and I mean, guess the
2: easiest way or the, the most clear way to address that concern is is to know that God continues. Sorry, my baby's crying in the back. She just woke up from a nap. No, you're good. Um, um, is that God continues to reveal? He continues to instruct his people. He continues to grow and, and help us to learn and, and it's not going to look the same necessarily uh, every every week because there's always new things that God's going to reveal. There is going to be a restoration of all things before Jesus Christ comes again and then we believe that temples are a part of that.
0: Right. Um when scripture says that the faith was delivered once and for all to the saints, it seems like the LDS understanding is, is it wasn't delivered once and for all. It's kind of piecemealed over um, a certain amount of time, and it was lost. I don't know when exactly it was lost, but it was lost for a really long time until Joseph Smith came along, and um, I, I know we disagree with on this, but I don't think any new revelation should contradict or go against what God has already revealed um, Skyler, I know you've got a daughter waking up and I just want to say I appreciate your time. Do you have any last words or anything you would like to close and saying?
2: Yeah. Um, I would say that I am not a Latter-day Saint because I think that I should be. I am a Latter-day Saint because I genuinely have received answers from God in the form of uh, spirit confirmations in the form of uh, guidance, promptings by the Spirit, and even in the form of, of visions, um, that that this is where God would have me be. And and should God ever tell me to do something else, then that's what I will do. But until that point, that is that is what I I, I can't. I can, I can listen to your arguments. I can, I can even agree with some of them. But ultimately, I worship God over, over anyone else. And, and I will listen to God, and I will follow Him to the best of my abilities. And so that's always what my encouragement is. And even when I was on the mission, is my first question that I would ask people is, if God told you that the LDS Church was true, would you listen? And if they said no, I wouldn't. Then that's okay. I, I, there was no point. There was no point at that then further the discussion because the only way that you can you can find out for yourself what God wants you to do is if you're willing to listen to Him. So that's my only admonish ad, admonition to anyone is to follow God wherever He takes you.
0: Skyler, you are a great representation of your faith, and it's always a joy and a pleasure to visit with you. Um, You know I'm always going to continue to try to convert you, (laughs) and uh, I I have consistently prayed for years that God would give you a vision and revelation about Joseph Smith being a false prophet, and I know you hope that someday I come to believe, as you do, that he was a real prophet, and I hope our friendship continues over many, many years, and I can't wait to baptize you someday.
2: Our friendship will continue and my only prayer is that that you and God continue to have a strong relationship and that you're you're led to help people to become happier and come closer to God. I don't it doesn't affect me whether or not you become LDS or that anyone that follows you becomes L D S, but that, that you are striving to to follow your convictions of God, um, that's what's most important to me.
0: Well, love you, man. Thank you so much for your time, and I appreciate it so much.
2: Love you too, buddy. Talk soon. Take care.
0: Uh Bye-bye.